Good morning. Welcome to the Barefoot Church. Uh, I'm Pastor Steve, and this is the Barefoot Church of Brigantine, New Jersey. Um, some time ago, we talked about uh, the Good Shepherd and the Bad Shepherd. Remember that? We, we talked about the Good Shepherd uh, in Old Testament. We talked about the Good Shepherd in the New Testament and, and Jesus as our, our shepherd, our Good Shepherd. Uh, we also then talked at that time about the bad shepherd. And, and the Old Testament had a lot to say about what a bad shepherd was and, and described very distinctly the marks or the traits or the characteristics of the bad shepherd. And I, I just wanted to mention that initially. Um, the bad shepherd was, was described as uh, obviously one who is evil. And Jeff, uh, the bad shepherd is evil, uh, carrying over the directives of Satan, carrying over what happened in the garden. Uh, the bad shepherd is described as one who destroys the flock, destroys the flock. And, and the bad shepherd is described as one who scatters the flock instead of bringing together, scatters, pushes apart by dissension, by chaos, by fear, and by division. The bad shepherd, the bad shepherd. And remember, Part of the time we understand the leader of a congregation or the leader of believers as being a shepherd. In fact, part of the writings in the New Testament describe being a shepherd of the flock, being a shepherd, a pastor of the flock, of the believers. And so I wanted to kind of start with that because we have this understanding of bad versus good. We have this understanding of evil versus righteousness. This understanding of shepherd being bad, shepherd being good. And I wanted to bring that up. Oh, by the way, the two places you find this, a bad shepherd, is uh, Jeremiah 23, Jeremiah chapter 23, and Ezekiel 34, um, Ezekiel chapter 34. So I want to I just to, to bring that to mind. Now, let's, let's go on and, and kind of aside. There, in the book, in the entire Bible, the book of the Bible, uh, there are um, five books in the Bible that have only one chapter. And it's interesting because if you go to some, uh, some writings and resources, uh, they have uh, just the name of the book and then numbers. There is no chapter, there's no colon. Other places, uh, for some of the research, for instance, if you go into um, some of the Bible hubs and that kind of stuff, uh, Bible Gateway, um, you'll find that they have, uh, when you go into the book, they have a chapter number, and there's one chapter. And it's interesting because you say X number of book, um, chapter number one. Well, there is no chapter one because there's no other chapters, it's, and, and then you go to the verses. So there are five books that have one chapter in the Bible. Now, two of those books we're not going to talk about this morning, and the two books we're not going to talk about is a book by the name of Obadiah, Obadiah. Obadiah is one of the Old Testament books, and it has one chapter. The other book we're not going to talk about this morning is Jude. Jude is a New Testament book, one chapter, and it, it's right before Revelation. So the very end of the New Testament, one book before Revelation is Jude. In fact, the last part of Jude is one of my favorite passages in the entire scripture. Uh, I, I frequently have used that as a blessing. I frequently have used that as, as meditation 
to dwell upon, to live within, and, and to, to kind of use, uh, getting my brain unscrambled, uh, getting my life directed in the right direction. So Obadiah and Jude, we're not going to talk about that. So the three books we're going to talk about, the three books we're going to talk about this morning are one called uh, Philemon, Philemon, and that's actually a New Testament book. Uh, the next one is going to be um, Second John, uh, the writings of John, uh, the second letter, and then the next one is going to be Third John, so the third book, uh, the third letter of John. So Philemon, Second uh, John, and Third John, and, and I, I put those out on the invitation, uh, the welcome and the invitation for, for each of you to have a chance to, to kind of get a hint of what we're going to look at. So let's begin. We'll begin with uh, Philemon, and, and I'll be using my phone this morning to get the scripture off of. So let's go here to the Bible and Philemon. And we'll be starting with Philemon 2c. Now, uh, as, as some of you know, uh, verses are divided into various sections depending on several things, content and commas and, and thoughts. And so what 2c means is we're going to start with Philemon, second verse, and the third part or the third section of the second verse. And so Philemon 2c, that goes like this. Oh, Philemon, by the way. Philemon is, is a person who lived um, in um, uh, Colossae, in Colossa, or Colossia, Colossae. And uh, Paul, remember, wrote a book of Colossians. Well, Philemon lives in Colossae, and he's one of the leaders in the church at, at Colossae. And so Paul writes to Philemon and to several others. And so Paul gives a greetings, you know, greetings, greetings, greetings. And then we get down to 2C. And it goes like this. Um, I, I give you greetings and I'm writing from Paul to the church that meets in your house. The church that meets in your house. Now, you may have heard the term uh, house church. This is one of the areas it comes from. So Philemon has a church that meets in his house. And, and, and the wording here in Greek is called oikon, oikon ecclesia, or oikon ecclesia, oikon ecclesia. And so you recognize the ecclesia as being church. Oikon is the word for house. It's the word for home. It's the word for dwelling of those who live together or those who are together in fellowship. So oikon ecclesia, the house church, the church that meets at home. And this has very many, lots of meanings for us right now, both because we were meeting at our home uh, as, as the Barefoot Church, and now you're meeting at your home as the Barefoot Church. Ah, may we gather together someday in fellowship again. And, and Paul writes about this a little bit later, as does John. The Apostle John writes about this. So, so we'll get there. So it starts off with, I, Paul, I'm writing to all of you, greetings to all these people and to the Oikon Ecclesia, the church that meets in your house. And then Paul continues, God's best to you. 
Christ's blessings on you. So God's prosperity, God's shalom, God's peace to you, and God's blessings to you, God's mercy to you. Every time your name, now listen to what Paul's writing to Philemon. And, 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 and here's, here's what Paul's message, blessings to you, God's best to you. And every time, Paul says, that I hear your name, it, when it comes up in prayers, I say, oh, thank you, God. So, Jan, those of us who've been praying for you, we say, oh, thank you, God. Those of you who pray for the church, oh, thank you, God. Those of you who pray for one another, oh, thank you, God. Paul's message here to Philemon is, I thank God every time I know that you're praying for one another. I thank God every time I know that you're praying for me. I thank God every time that I pray for each of you. I keep hearing of the love and faith that you have for the master Jesus. So Paul's writing to Philemon. He's writing to us. I hear of the love you have, the faith you have in Christ Jesus, in Master Jesus, in the Lord Jesus. That love brims over to others. So our love of Jesus, our love of Christ brims. It overflows into the life of, into the thinking of, into the heart of others around us believers and even unbelievers those who see the love that we have for one another but those who see we see the love we have for jesus christ they notice something different in our lives there's something different going on here with this person because they have a love of jesus and sometimes a person will see that difference don't understand it sometimes another believer will spot it and say ah <laughs> This is another believer because they brim over with love of Jesus Christ, love of the Lord Jesus. So it brims over to other believers, and I keep praying that this faith we hold come and keep showing up in the good things we do. So Paul, Paul here is saying, Philemon, um, not only do, do we brim over with this, brim over with this love, but we also uh, acknowledge our relationship with Jesus Christ in those things we do, our behavior, those actions towards each other, those actions toward another. Um, to give you an example, um, some time ago, um, this, this uh, organization um, credited me with something that they should not have. And so I called them on the phone and said, by the way, people, you, you gave me more than, I, than I'm due, and, and I need to return that to you. And, and their comment was, you must sleep well at night. <laughs> well, let me tell you something else also. And, and so it's just our actions, how we treat others, believers and strangers, and those who might believe that we don't even know. And so it's obvious in our doings, in our behavior, that we have a relationship here with the Master Jesus, with the Lord Jesus, with the Christ Jesus. So those things that we hold up in common, they show up in good things that we do, and people recognize the Christ in all of it. 
So in our brimming over with love, the things we do that are Christ-centered and because of our faith, people recognize Christ in all of it. And then Paul continues to us, friends, you have no idea how good your love makes me feel. And as a believer, you know, can we say that about other believers? Can we say about that about each other right here? Can we say that about our experience with other believers? You have no idea how good it makes me feel. In other words, your presence feels good with me. I pray that my presence feels good with you. I pray that each of you, the presence of each of you here, feels good and brings happiness and encouragement and joy. Again, Paul says, friend, believer, you have no idea how good your love makes me feel. And even doubly so, says Paul to Philemon, even doubly so when I see your hospitality to other believers. So as we do good, as we have this brimming over of love, Paul said, I feel good. And even more so when I see your faith put into action. When I see what you do to others, with others, put into action. Even doubly so, I feel happy, I feel good, I feel joy in seeing you, understanding your faith at work. And, and so that's, that's uh, Philemon, 2C to 7. And, and again, the, the importance here is Paul is saying, uh, I want to address your house church. I want to address the church in your home. I want to address the Okeon, the Okeon or the Oikon of Ecclesia. Uh, uh, as believers, we have to hold on to this. It's to one another. It's, it's the word of Paul to Philemon. It's the word of Paul to us in our lives. Now, another, another place, uh, another one chapter book I want to go to is, is 2 John. So let me get over here to 2 John. And we'll look at verses 1 through 6. And it goes like this. And this is, this is the Apostle John. This is the writer of, of, of uh, the Gospel of John, of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John letters, and then of Revelation. So here we are, 2nd John, starting with verse 1. My dear congregation, I, your pastor, and, and this is John writing, and I, I, your pastor, love you in very truth. And again, this is a, a letter written. Uh, dear congregation, I, your pastor, love you in very truth. I'm not alone. Everyone who knows the truth that has taken up permanent residence in us loves in you. So, so Jesus Christ, who is, is the truth, Jesus has taken residence within us. And he, Jesus, loves us also. And he, Jesus, loves you also. Just as I love you, just as we love one another, the truth within us, the Jesus within us, the spirit within us, who's taken permanent residence in our life, loves you. And then John writes, let grace, again, abundant love, abundant gift giving, let grace, let mercy, overlooking the sin, Jeff, 
because we are under the blood of Jesus, the mercy, what we should have received as punishment, it we don't receive. God has shown us mercy because of his son, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. So let grace, let all the gifting of God, let the love of God, let the mercy and let peace be with us. And again, in, in Greek, just as in Hebrew, peace doesn't mean just you know calmness. Peace means completeness, wholeness, health, prosperity. So listen to this sentence, let grace and mercy and peace, let grace, mercy, and peace be with us in truth and love from God, the Father, and from Jesus Christ, Son of the Father. So in our life, let grace be present, let mercy be present, let peace be present, because of the truth we have in love, because we have love from God, and because we have love from Jesus. We have love from God the Father. We have love from God the Son. I can't tell you how happy I am, says John. I can't tell you how happy I am to learn that many members of your congregation are in diligence in living out the truth. Again, we have this understanding. We had it from Paul to Philemon. Now we have it from John to the congregation, to us, to the Barefoot Church. I can't tell you how happy I am to learn that the members of the congregation, the members of the ecclesia, the ecclesia, you, us, are diligent in living out the truth exactly as commanded by the Father. And then, then, then John has to say something. But permit me to remind your friend that this commandment from the Father is not new commandment. In other words, this isn't something new to you. This isn't the, something that's new from, from the Father's command. This is simply a repetition of our original and basic charter. In other words, this is how we started, people. This is what we got in good news in gospel. This is what we got from Jesus Christ himself when he was here. It's not new. It's just a reminder that we love one another. Remember Jesus's command when he was asked, What's the, what's the most important? What's the greatest command? Love the Lord your God. With, remember that? And then the second, says Jesus, is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then later in the teachings, Jesus taught the disciples, love one another. And then later, as Jesus is getting ready to go through all of the, the, the trials and the death, the burial and the resurrection, and he's ready to return to the Father. He tells us, love each other, love one another as I have loved you. And so we have this, this understanding of love and love for one another as Jesus has loved us. So, so John is writing here, remember, I, this isn't new to you. This is just a reminder that we love each other. And love means following his commandments. And the one unifying commandments, the one unifying of all the commandments is that you conduct your lives in love. And this is the first thing you heard as a believer. This is the thing that was given to you, and it's not new, which is a reminder. This is the first thing you were given. Love, love your neighbor, love each other. 
love each other as I, as Jesus has loved us. Nothing, says John, has changed. And, and that is a very small area of understand goodness in our life, goodness in our living, goodness in ecclesia, goodness in how we dwell in the presence of God. Now, let's go to another place. And that, that again, is, is over here in 3 John. So we went from Philemon, from Philemon to 2 John, and now let's go to 3 John. And again, this is 1 to 8. And it goes like this. Uh, the pastor to my good friend Gaius, how truly I love you. So, so John is writing as the pastor to this person and says, how truly I love you. How truly I love you. We are the best of friends. And, and you know, we, we say that about others that are members, that are believers, that we are the best of friends. And, says John, I pray for good fortune in everything that you do. I pray for peace, for shalom, for good fortune, for prosperity in everything you do. I pray for your good health. I pray for your completeness of health. I pray for your well-being. I pray for your health. That your everyday affairs, that not only your health, but everything you do, every transaction, every action you take, every relationship you are in, in family and friends and workers and neighbors and check out people, in all your everyday affairs, that they prosper, that they are whole, they are filled completely, and that all is well with your soul. And, and if you go to um, one of the translations, who is in uh, the uh, new uh, Revised Standard Version, it has, it is well with your soul. And so this is, this is again, uh, John writing to a believer, to us, that, that I pray for you, and I pray that you have prosperity. I pray for your health. I pray for all your actions and your affairs in your life and all of the relationships you have that you be whole and complete and at peace, that you find favor from God, that you can give favor to others, that you have that excitement, that it is well with your soul. And then John continues. I was most happy. I was most happy when some friends arrived and they brought me the news that you persist in following the truth. In other words, I heard from someone that you're doing great. You're keeping the faith. You persist. You have the strength. You have the hmm, tenacity to even yet hold on to God, to even yet hold Jesus as the one who is your savior, that you hold on to your faith, that you put that faith into practice with one another, but even in every life and every relationship that you have. I am happy because I heard that you keep the faith. I am happy because I heard that you're living out Jesus in your life. You persist in following the way of the truth. Nothing, says John, could make me happier than getting reports 
that my children continue diligently in the way of the truth. And here are the children here, aren't the little kids that we're making. The children here are ones that John sees that have grown in the faith because of his influence. John says, I'm pastor, and I see you who are growing. I see you who are excited. I see you who are growing in the faith. You are being edified within the ecclesia. And John says, nothing could make me happier than seeing your faith. Nothing could be, make me happier than hearing of your faith in growing and uplifting and worshiping God and helping each other, supporting each other, encouraging each other, praying for each other, that you continue diligently in the way of the truth. And John continues, dear friend, when you extend hospitality to Christian brothers and sisters, and this extending hospitality, it means to be kind, to doing something special, it could be a phone call, it could be the prayer, it could be taking the meal, it could be opening the door for one another in, 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 uh, in uh, metaphorical terms, or maybe even literal terms, but it means to be hospitable to each other, to be hospitable to, to others. That the hospitality to Christian brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers, and what this means, even though they are strangers, where that concept is that if you meet someone who is another believer, you don't know them, but you share the same faith, you share the belief in Jesus Christ. And even that makes one's heart being open and kind and hospitable to another believer, brother, sister in the Lord. Even though they're strangers, you make the faith visible. You put it into action in what we say and what we do and how we treat and a kindness, showing mercy, showing grace, showing peace, giving another edification and encouragement. They have made a full report back to the church here. So I've heard back to the church, I've heard back here to the Ecclesia that uh, you have love that you have a message that is going out that is filled with love. It's good work that you're doing. So not only is the message of you showing love to one another and being hospitable to one another, and you're showing good work that you're doing in your life, in your family, in your friends, in your neighborhood, and how you witness and how you, how you have testimony. You're doing good work. You're helping travelers on their way. You're having hostility worthy of God himself. What would God do? What would Jesus do? Ah, may I follow in his footsteps. You know, back when, when I was first beginning, it was, you know, the, the whole thing was, what would Jesus do? And that's still, that's still viable today. What would Jesus do? What is the choice here of the paths that I could take? What would Jesus do? What choice, what path would Jesus have me take? And they are set out under the same banner of his name, of the name. And get no help from unbelievers. In other words, even though we may not get help from others who are not believers, ah, the believers, we are required, we are tended. It is in our heart to give edification, to give help to one another. So then, you, 
the members of the ecclesia. You, as members of the ecclesia, to other to other members of the ecclesia, to other believers, no matter where they are, even though they're strangers to us, they're believers. So they they deserve any support that we can give them. It might be in providing meals. It might be in providing a bed. It might be in providing the phone call or a card or some kind of encouragement that we become companions, that we become together in the same direction, companions upholding each other, walking with each other in spreading the truth to providing gospel, to providing good news, both to each other, but also to those who do not know. Providing that companionship, providing the truth, providing the gospel, the good news to others. And this is, this is again, uh, third John. This is the third letter of John. Again, uh, one of the shortest one chapter books in the Bible. Again, there were five books that are one chapter. Uh, this has been three of them. Philemon, 2 John, and 3 John. Now, you know, a couple things here is, is making faith visible, putting that into action, in other words, uh, being companions and spreading the truth, being companions, working on the same direction and letting other know, others know the gospel, the good news, the truth, Jesus. Um, and then uh, recognizing that we, we give each other uh, it, it, to encourage, it is well with your soul. It is well with your soul. Now, an interesting thing happens here at the very end of, of John's writing in, in 3 John. And I want to cover that because it is extremely applicable. Uh, it applies to us right now today. And that is found in 3 John uh, 13 and 14. It goes like this. And I'm going to read this, this third John first. I have a lot more things that I want to tell you, says John, but uh, I'd rather use uh, not pen and ink. So I have a lot of the things I want to talk to you with. I want to tell you, I want to talk, I want to hear, but I'm not going to do it with pen and ink. I hope to be there soon in your person. And then we can have a great heart to heart talk. Now, Listen to that phraseology. Um, I want to be there in person. I want to be there soon in person and have a great heart to heart. Now, I want to jump over to Second John, where we were before, over in Second John. Uh, we are in third. We'll go to Second John. And again, down there in Second John, and uh, we'll start with 12. So 2 John, second letter of John, down to 12. And, and listen again to what he writes here. I have a lot more things to tell you. Hmm, we heard that before. But I'd rather not use paper and ink. Hmm. So I want to talk to you. I want to share. I want to listen. I, I, but I don't want to use pen and ink. I don't want to use paper and ink. I hope to be there soon in person and have heart-to-heart -heart talk, my heart with your heart, in person, talk. And then he continues, that would be far more satisfying than paper and ink. To both of us, you and me, it would be far more satisfying. And, and one of the other translations, one of the other interpretations for this phrasing has 
that I want to talk to you heart to heart, as this one had, that our joy may be complete, that the joy we have might be whole. The joy we have in heart to heart is complete. Now, I need to talk about this heart to heart. I'm, I'm using the message, and the message is used, I want to have a heart to heart with you. I want to have a heart to heart with you. Uh, another translation has that I want to be able to be face to face with you. That we not have the Zoom, we not have the pen and ink, we not have the pen and paper, but instead says again, John, I want to be face to face with you. That we can see each other's eyes, we can hear, we can understand, it's face to face, in person and both both third john do this and second john do this near the end of john's writings i want to be there with you i don't want zoom i don't want telecommunications i don't want telephone i don't want facetime i don't want writing i want to be face to face i want to be in person as it were a heart to heart and it's interesting because if you go to the Greek, we even get a different understanding. The Greek wording here, and, and, and hold with me, the Greek wording here is, I don't want to use pen and ink. I don't want to use pen and pencil, pen and paper. I want to be there in person for a mouth to mouth. Let me do that again. The Greek says, I want to be there in person with you for a mouth to mouth. Now, the writers in changing from the Greek into the English did not like that concept. And so we have the face of haste, or we have, we have the heart to heart, or we have the, the speak one another, one, one translation has, that we might speak to each other. But the Greek says a mouth to mouth that there is no misunderstanding that what is here is there, that what is there in person with you is here, that the words that are coming out are from my mouth to your ears. The words that are coming out from your mouth is directly from your mouth to my ears. And it's described in Greek as that in person, we might have a mouth to mouth. Isn't that a great understanding of being in a relationship, being a sister, being a brother, a follower of Jesus Christ, called by God into ecclesia, or ecclesia, or ecclesia, that we might be mouth to mouth, and that we might love one another as Jesus has loved us. Let us pray. God, here are very, very short books of the Bible with only one chapter that speak to us because the writer talks to others who are believers and gives encouragement as to what is positive. What is it to be good to one another? What it what it is to uh, lift up, to encourage, 
to edify one another as a believer within the church. And Lord, that we look forward to not being in isolation, forgetting to be in fellowship, for forgetting to be in, in mouth to mouth, that we might worship you mouth to mouth, that we might communicate and encourage one another mouth to mouth. Lord, that we might uplift and pray and praise mouth to mouth in presence, in fellowship, in the body of Christ as believers. Ah, oh, Jesus, we thank you for your presence in our lives that we might dwell with you, that we might walk with you, that we might follow in your footsteps in all of our life. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Love you all.